James Harden's going to sign their extension. His trade value is not there. And when you hear reports... Wilson paid $16 million of his $33 million salary. I know about people that have certain clauses what in their contract. What happens next year with Giannis Antetokounmpo? He will be eligible for a Supermax next summer. If he re-signs a new reality, the players are going to move around and the players are, are, are not going to want to spend their whole you know, life. And because they didn't want to go into the penalty of the luxury tax, they traded James Harden. Somebody's going to be making $50 Find a home. So, he probably could have made a little bit more money this summer in free agency. I think agency. he could have got a lot more in the offseason. You got a chance to secure the bag. You got to No question. What's going on, party people? I am your host, Stephen Bagel, and this is Sports Ethos' very own The Bird Rights Podcast. With me today, we have one-third of the Upside Swings podcast and our resident Rockets fan, Cooper Klein. Cooper, how are you doing today? I am doing great. You know, uh, had a long morning, but, you know, I'm really happy. I got home, showered, cleaned up a little bit, uh, and I get to do my favorite thing, which is talk about the Rockets. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it, it's exciting. You know, the Rockets are fun and, you know, been a lot of intrigue around them over the last uh, few weeks. So, yeah. And, you know, yeah. it, not only do they have all the exciting talent with, Jalen Green, obviously our guy Tari Eason, who we'll talk about, Alperin Shangun, who's the second best passing big man in the league, the best not named Nikola Jokic. A lot of intrigue. I know I'm missing guys, Kevin Porter Jr., et cetera, et cetera. But boy, if with everything going on right now, Victor Wimbayama, it would, you know, really turn the league upside down if the Rockets were to land him. But we'll get into all that. Real quick, before we talk about the Rockets, listeners, it's time to talk a little fantasy hoops. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, DeJounte Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikhail Bridges before any other rank list? That's right, it was a Brewski 150. And you probably turned this huge wins into some cash, didn't you? Great. Well, the Brewski 150 is now available all fan- on all fantasy monthly members, including the extremely affordable fantasy pass at $5.99 a month. Head to sportsethos.com to upgrade to a fantasy pass now and dominate your drafts. So as you guys know, this is another one of the segments I'm doing of I'm trying to cover every team, you know, off-season preview, season review, what we think from them, what we think of the off-season. And the Rockets are the last one, unfortunately, I'm going to be able to get to. So exciting team to talk about. So Cooper, the Rockets kind of started their off-season with trading Christian Wood to the Mavericks. So at the time when it first happened, I was initially surprised just because I thought a team would bite and give more for Christian Wood. But I think the fact that the Rockets ended up getting a first-round pick for him, I think you consider that a win, especially given, you know, he's on an expiring deal. He didn't have multiple years left on his deal, which I'm sure the Rockets could have traded him before this, they would have. But, I mean, what what, what do you think? Is it a first-round pick for him? You ended up getting Ty Ty Washington with that pick. I believe you traded down a few spots in order to get Ty Ty. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, is Christian Wood really a huge loss? I'm not that big on Christian Wood as, like, you know, a playoff center for the Mavs. Mm-hmm. So I, I think getting, you know, Ty Ty Washington, especially with how much you guys need a point guard, because I don't know. So my, I have a two-part question. What do you think of that wood trade? Did you guys get enough? And then we'll tie that into the draft of getting Ty Ty Washington with that pick. So well, just what's the sentiment of that trade? And what do you think of the Ty Ty Washington pick? And then we'll tie that into Tari Eason. Okay. Uh, well, for the Christian Wood trade, I actually didn't mind the return. I didn't actually even think that we would get a first, even yeah. though it was a late first. Uh, 
Hell, I, towards the end of the season and even like towards the midpoint of the season, my thing was I would trade Christian Wood for a few seconds and filler. Um, because at a certain point, he's not giving effort. Uh, he is a bottom five defensive big in the league. And it's not because he like is Alperin Shengun who can't defend. I mean, we'll get into that later, but he like, he can defend. He is a very athletic a human being. Guy, yep. mm-hmm. And like his whole thing is always, oh, he can switch. He can, he's long, he can jump. Uh, but he does not give a shit about any, like it's so frustrating to watch him play. And there are nights like, Dwight Powell, fresh off of a potentially career-ending leg surgery, gave that dude buckets. I watched that game in person, and I was pulling my hair out. Worst money I've ever spent in my life was going to that game because it's just so infuriating to watch him play. Right? It's uh, and he just he loves to ISO. He loves to take his long threes and and then not try on defense. And like, sure, he his ability and raw talent actually won the Rockets quite a few games last year. Uh, I'd say he added about five or six wins just with his hot shooting. That's another reason shoot. they probably traded him. Not only did they yeah. get a first, but, you know, they're not in the business of trying to win many See, games. But that's the thing is that it's, I, I think as much as he wins you those games, I think he lost you more games okay. because because the defense was just so bad. Uh, it's almost an addition by subtraction thing, which was my thing with I would give – I would like literally just take filler to get rid of him because there's no point in having him on your roster. Uh, if he's not allowed to be the star and whine and pout and do whatever he wants. Uh, it's just a thoroughly unenjoyable experience. And I mean, even getting, I mean, we got the 26th pick and then traded that back for two more seconds yeah. uh, and got Ty Ty. And I'm not huge on Ty Ty. Um, I wasn't either when I watched yeah. it. I had him in like the sixties, I okay. think. Uh, which I, I don't know. I think I should have had him as like a draftable guy in like the forties or fifties. I think just the fact that he is obviously talented and has skills and, uh, you know, can dribble the ball, make some basic passes. I just really did not like him as a point guard. Uh, I think he's a really good wing, right? Like he's a great connector. He can get into the lane and then pass out, but he can't get to the rim. Right, like he can't dribble, he can't, and get he's to... not an elite shooter either by mm-hmm. any means. So he can like... get to the mid range and the floater, but he's not an elite three point shooter. Yeah. Right, it's just such a weird combination of oh, talents. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like him as an off guard, like potentially next to Jalen, uh, and maybe another like big passer like Shingun, just as someone who can like move the ball, maybe defend a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe in a pinch create his own midi, but I, you know. Not my favorite. So, uh, so before yeah. you continue, just to give some people some background, um, Cooper, as I said, he's uh, one of the three guys in Upside Swings, which is one of what my favorite NBA draft podcasts. And Cooper and I, we knew each other beforehand mutually through Stone, who you guys know. He did the um, he did our mock draft episode with me when I when I actually had COVID. That was a nightmare recording. Nothing because of Stone, but I literally had like a hundred and four fever at the time. But anyway, um. And Cooper and I actually just took a class together this summer through um, John Ross, who was a he was a Blazers video coordinator, and he did like a draft scouting type class. So Cooper and I know each other through that. So that's why you know we enjoy talking draft and make our own big boards, everything like that. So that's why you know with how young and up and coming the Rockets are, that's why he was a perfect person for me to come on and you know talk Rockets with. 
So just give some perspective. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I think Ty Ty will be fun. I think he'll be good. Uh, maybe <laughs> I think he'll spend this year in the G League, honestly. Okay. So then let me ask you this. Do you think Kevin Porter Jr. is a legitimate point guard? Uh, I don't think he's like a true point guard. And that's right? what this roster is missing. Yeah, I, I think it's really just missing. Like, I, I think Shingun is a good creator. He just is so stylistically different from all the other players on the roster that it's hard to really rely on him even in just that role. Like, I think he's very obvious. Like, Shingun is very obviously the most gifted playmaker on the team. Like a country mind. Yeah. Right. But if he has to slow the ball down and like you saw it really against the heat, but also against the Spurs a little bit is that the guys want to get out and run. They want to play fast. They want to move and cut and like Jalen and KPJ play well off of each other. And it's like that speed and energy. And then you throw the ball to Shingun in the low posts and it's not coming out for another six to eight seconds. And there's a third of the shot clock and it's just tough. I think KPJ is a talented player, uh, but I almost want to see him more as a connector and just allowed to do his own thing. Like a guy who can do the scoring and connective passing that he's pretty solid at, but then, oh, with the bench unit in a pinch, he can run some pick and roll. And I, I, I just don't think that he's like the pure point guard of the future. Some people seem to believe, but I also don't think he needs to be. Yeah. Right to succeed. So then, do you think Jalen Green could get there? Because it's funny. Uh, there were so many people during one during this draft process that were lower on Jaden Ivy because they didn't think he could be like the lead guard. And I, I think it's kind of ironic because Jalen Green, phenomenal player, but I didn't have him in that tier of his draft of Cade and Evan Mobley because I didn't think he could be a lead guard or an elite ball handler. So. And that's ironic because I was high on Ivy and I wasn't, I mean, I saw a green number three, so I'm not going to say I wasn't high on him, but I didn't think he was on the same level as a Cade or Evan Mobley. So what do you think? Is Jalen Green going to get there or is just that just an issue that's going to have to be addressed, the primary ball handler in the future? Uh, I really think that, I, I think that like, you know, Devin Booker has kind of, you know, you, you don't want to compare anybody to Devin Booker, but if you're going to compare anybody to like that kind of level of player, it's going to be Jalen Green. Yeah, he's insane. Uh, like he is so insanely talented as a scorer. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be like a Cade level of ball handler yeah. and passer and playmaker because Cade is on another planet. Uh, but I think that he can get to the point where like Devin Booker can be your backup point guard even in, and you're starting two guard, right? Like he's a combo guard in the good sense. He's not like a Jaden Hardy combo where he's neither a point guard nor really a shooting guard. You know what I mean? He's a combo guard because he can both, he can play both the one and the two effectively. Yeah. There, there were times now that you mentioned Devin Booker that, do you remember when the Suns, not only they, they initially had three point guards, so like the Eric Bledsoe's Gwon Dragic and Isaiah Thomas. And then when they really started rebuilding, they didn't have a point guard. Like, they they were playing Devin Booker at the one. And Devin Booker has grown a lot since then as a ball handler. So that mm -hmm. I, I could see Jalen Green doing a similar trajectory where, sure, you don't want to be the primary guy just because how good he is as a scorer, but he's still able to break down the defenses. And he, he mm -hmm. would thrive playing next to a Chris Paul, like an elite ball handler and playmaker. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I think... Like having him and KPJ both as guys who are score first, but then can also play make. 
I think ideally you want a more primary playmaker next to them, uh, someone who can kind of steady the tempo, but, you know, still know, like just understand how everybody else is playing, get them into their spots, uh, you know, just kind of get the flow of the offense going a bit more. I think that's been kind of an issue. It's gotten better. The preseason has looked a lot better, but we've also played really bad teams, like to be fair, yeah. uh, other than the Raptors. And even they were missing Fred Van Fleet. But uh, I mean, I think the flow of the offense and the flow of the defense and all that kind of stuff, uh, like just managing that kind of stuff is, I don't think he's going to be that level of guy. And I don't think KPJ is going to be that guy, but uh, I think he could be the backup and run a fine enough pick and roll where, uh, you know, it's run it with the backups, run it when our backup point guards hurt, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and as I told you before we started, I have Raptors, oh, not Raptors, you just said the Raptors. Um, The Rockets have over $60 million in cap space, which we'll get into. I really haven't, in these previews of teams, hadn't really talked much about the future. I'm more talking about what they previously did. But in the Rockets' case, I mean, they're really playing for the future, so that's why I want to mention that. But before we do, Tori Eason, I mean... I remember when we were talking draft and, you know, we had our little mock draft in our draft cohort ran by John Ross. And I think we got Tari Eason in round two, if I'm not mistaken. We we got him, didn't we? I don't remember. I that. think somebody else took him oh, and we, we were, re- either, I, but we were like pushing the trade up. You and I both had him, what, top four in this draft? I think, I, I, yeah. I think we both had him like three or four. I had him four. Yeah. Uh, I think and... I had him three. I actually had him ahead of Apollo and, as good as Tari's looked, I'll admit that was a mistake. I, I wasn't that high <laughs> for multiple reasons. But, you know, that's part of the draft process, admitting when you're wrong. Yeah. And yeah. even so, okay, let's say I do have Tari 4. He's phenomenal. I, I mean, just how much he's grown from high school to his freshman year in Cincinnati to when he transferred to LSU, how efficient he is. I mean, there's so much to love about his game that he's not only an energizer, but as you said, like I feel like he could become that connector that you're talking about Kevin Porter Jr. being. In a sense, mm-hmm. he is so talented. Like, it's not just like physical gifts. Like, you see a lot of these guys who are balls of energy. And I think that he kind of got lumped into that, like, just mega athletic forward who doesn't have a ton of skills, or like just mega athletic player who doesn't have a ton of skills, you know. But if you watch him, he was both a high energy player and a very skilled player who was technically proficient in a lot of stuff. And uh, I think that was something that people just kind of missed. I think I think he, he was like I, I don't want to I don't want to be too mean to people, but I think he was kind of obvious, right? And I think that as draft evaluators, we tend to miss a lot of stuff that is too obvious because we think, oh, it can't be that simple, you know? Like you you tend to the kind of people that evaluate the draft, you're going to overthink a lot, you know? You end up watching these guys so much and spending so much so much time on your board that you overthink and miss things. And like, you're talking about like, Oh, you, you already like, are like, oh, yeah, I was probably wrong about Paolo. Yeah. You know, when you overthink things, you know, sometimes I mean, you and I happens. could maybe well be wrong. We're taking victory laps now during the post. Oh. So, but yeah. I, oh, yeah. Saying, you and I are on the same wavelength and we have been on the same wavelength for a while on Tari Eason. So oh, yeah. I, I think yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a slam dunk for the Rockets personally. The fact that they were able to get him at pick, what was it? 17, I believe. 17, yeah. And they got Shangun. Shangun's another one that people won't hire because they just said he's never going to be able to protect the rim and he's all offense and he's going to be a negative player because of how bad he is on the defensive end. And he's another one that was like, he was hiding in plain sight. 
I I am not a hundred percent there with Shingun, but I think the talent is so obvious, yeah. right? Like that's and especially in year one of a rebuild, mm -hmm. like getting that level of talent and just being like, screw it. Like, <laughs> like he, he was a lottery talent. The problem is just fit in the league. Yeah. Right. And being able to get that for such a cheap price. Uh, it's just an easy move to make as the rebuilding team. Even if you don't like Shengun, if you don't like his fit, you're unsure of all that. Uh, I don't think it's a bad idea to bring in high feel smart players and just be like, let's see if we can get something rocking and rolling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's quickly go into, as I said, they have tons of cap space. So let's quickly go into the potential of what they could do. Um, we saw Wiggins and Andrew Paul just re-sign um, a rookie extension and a veteran extension. So they're off the board. And I, I think it's what, the Rockets, the Spurs, again, obviously I'm a front office podcast, so I should know this. The Pacers, they all have like 60 plus million cap space. The Rockets are one of those teams as well. So we have, I don't know, a very underwhelming free agent class, I would say. It's mostly That's guys, a nice way to put it. <laughs> it's, it's mostly guys that all haven't signed rookie extensions yet that still could before the season starts. And even so, they'll be restricted. So I'm not expecting much, but there are a few guys that um that are intriguing. I mean, I don't think you guys are going after like a Yakupodal or a Miles Turner because of the fact that you have Shangun. Um, let, let's start with this guy because I know that you said you were like his fit. And we also mentioned the need for a point guard or a ball handler, D'Angelo Russell. He's one guy that I do think is attainable. I think in Minnesota it does overachieve a little bit this year that they would once. That's the guy they would want to bring back. Well, yeah, I, I don't think there's a way. Yeah, I, th I think D'Angelo Russell specifically. I think Minnesota, if they make the conference finals, um, they're they're going to pay whatever to keep him, right? Because he, especially last year, was like a, he was a sneaky big reason that their defense was like good, right? And you don't think about that with D'Angelo Russell because he's kind of known as this awful defender. But he was a really good defender in like the the limited role that he played, but like as a communicator, you know, he was like organizing that defense and uh, he was really on top of it. And I like his ability to control pace, uh, to score from all three levels. Um, you know, I, I think he's maybe not underrated is the way to put it because, you know, he's made an all-star team, but I, I think he gets a little bit too much hate. Uh, from a lot of people, I think he's a really talented player and, you know, put him in the right role as like, oh, he's not your first option, but he's your primary ball handler who sets up the greens and KPJ and Jabari and Tari. And I think he could do a really good job at filling that role. I also, I don't know how much, I think 60 million is how much cap space the Rockets would have. It's like 60 plus 63 million i think is how much they would have if they that's right now without having a kpj extension yeah. or a kj martin second deal potentially right so he could i mean you could see like 20 million sunk into yeah. those two potentially something like that even north of 25 yeah. uh, into the two of them but even then you still have nearly 40 million yeah. in cap sorry i hope you can't hear the people cheering in my apartment complex um no, yes, I actually can't. 
Okay, well, they are being cheering at because I'm watching the only baseball game on right now. It's it's, it's not baseball. It's oh. football. They've been screaming about oh, it for the last football. forty no, minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it's awful. They have been so loud. I'm so sorry. But <laughs> you should have heard me when the Phillies won earlier. I mean, hey, hey, I'm I'm happy for them. I'm happy for you. Man. You know they they deserve it. Okay. Uh, so yeah. anything else with Angelo Russell or? Um, I, 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 I love D'Lo. Nothing else I can really add. I actually, I do think though that the bigs that you mentioned, I think they, there's a chance they could be, uh, they, one of them could be picked up. I think Miles Turner is someone that Rockets Twitter is obsessed with. Yeah. Um, because there's a chance he could play with Shingun or is without everything him. you guys wanted Christian Wood to be when you signed him. I feel like, like if I, he, except for the, like, I mean, he's just flat out better. He is. I think he's better, but I, I think he doesn't have the same self-creation, right? Okay, that's right? Like, Wood can do the pull-up threes and the like the crazy dribble moves and all that stuff. Uh, and Turner's more of like the role-player-y version of that. And I think he's better, like straight up. I think he's a better basketball player, more valuable basketball player. I would like Kodal uh, next to Shingun too. I, I, I actually think it's kind of fun. I think that like as much as we think about like five out, four out, all this stuff. Shingun has looked his best with actual guys who can score on the interior. I mean, that's why I made an entire video on why I, I think the Rockets should trade for Jared Vanderbilt um, because he's such a perfect fit offensively and defensively. And we won't get too much into that, but I had to plug myself there a little bit. Of course, uh, but like playing with uh, playing a too big thing, I actually don't think would be the end of the world with such a like i think pertle's an underrated passer and shingun is a really really good like big to big passer yeah okay so then other guys i'm looking at i have kobe white on this list but i that just wouldn't make much sense given how bad the rockets are defensively already and you sure he gives a little bit of creation but he's more of a bench microwave score he's not really going to compliment kevin porter jr that much i would assume Lou, i don't think he's going anywhere i think they match whatever offer he gets. Um, what about, like, a DeAndre Hunter or, like, Grant Williams is going anywhere, but, like, a DeAndre Hunter or, like, a P.J. Washington? I would die for P.J. Washington <laughs> on the Rockets. I, I I think that both of them will be RFAs. Um, yeah. Hunter, I think, especially is... I think he's a little bit older. I'm not as big of a fan of him. I think he's, like... I don't think he self-creates and I don't think he's as good of a team defender as his uh what's it called? Like as people think he is, as uh I, I don't know the I, I'm forgetting words right now, but uh, I think he's a little bit overrated as a defender and as a creator. I think he's just tall and can shoot and can defend man pretty well and he's strong. Um PJ Washington is just such a solid big. <laughs> like as a four or five who can play with basically any lineup um i would do disgusting things to get pj washington my dream trade last year at the deadline was somehow convincing the hornets to trade for uh wood for like washington and filler yeah. and then i both teams. exactly like i think that the wood i think wood would have been a better play finisher for the Hornets than Montrez Harrell was, yeah. right? Like, I think Montrez and Vernon Carey or whatever, or no, they traded out Vernon Carey. But Montrez was, I think, kind of their cheaper option that they went with. Um, 
and I think it kind of came back to bite them in the ass because he's also gone now. Yeah. Uh, Wood would have been under contract for another season and could have added some more creation to a team that really values shooting. I think that would have been interesting, but uh, I would, I would love PJ Washington. And there is a chance that the Hornets just do not value them. I think you could get him in a sign and trade. I don't think you'll get him straight out as a free agent. Well, I think the Hornets are going to be bad this year. So, I, I think there's a real, especially with LaMelo out. Yeah. And then, I think LaMelo's injury might've been a blessing in disguise. The fact that, Hey, oh, yeah. now they could tank. Like, yeah. Like imagine the LaMelo with Wemby. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like, like and that. If, that would be again, so I don't want to bring it up, but Miles Bridges, if he, he has a preliminary hearing on Monday. For those of you who guys know, I'm an attorney. So I'm following that situation closely just to see how that plays out. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll have to see. Um, Jeremy Grant, Harrison Barnes. I mean, they already have Tari Eason, so I can't imagine them wanting a Jeremy Grant type. Um, otherwise, I'm not going to go through every free agent cause I promise. Uh, the few final guys I'm looking at are like a Hami Diallo at some athleticism. I think I would like Austin Reeves going there as like a guard who could play on the wing, who at least hustles and provides some defense and could also create a little bit. And then the other guy that there was speculation that could have went to Houston in an Eric Gordon trade was Matisse Leibel. Um, I, I don't think the Sixers want him much, honestly. They're not going to sign to a rookie extension up there that much. But yeah. I mean, he would add a defensive element that the Rockets just desperately need. Yeah, I think the defense is going to be better this year, especially in the the minutes that Shengun sits. Uh, just have, like playing Jabari, Tari, Eric Gordon, Jay Sean Tate. Uh, that's a solid defensive core that all kind of does different stuff. Like, I don't think they're going to be good. I think they'll be the 25th ranked defense, but I think you'll see the makings of this is a functional NBA team on the defensive end some nights, right? Uh, especially nights when Tari plays more than 10 minutes a night, which is, you know, a very real possibility because Steven Silas, you know, he's a, he's a little bit evil like that. But, uh, you know, I, I just, the biggest thing with Tybal is he is great, but I don't know like what you can't play Tate anymore because you can't play Tate and Tybal together. You can't play Tybal with any kind of non-shooter. Uh, like you can't really play him with Shingun. Um, that's the issue the six will have with him now. He might not even be in the rotation just because exactly. Like it's like I think if everybody else was such a good shooter in certain lineups, or you had a spacing big, or even just like more of a motion offense, I think that's something that like he would kill on the Warriors because he can cut a little bit and screen. Uh, sort of in that GP2 role, right? I don't think he's the same level of passer, but he can get out and create steals and create havoc. And if somebody would just run a motion offense <laughs> that wasn't a Doc Rivers offense, you know, I, I think he'd have real value, but I don't think that's a Steven Silas system, yeah. you know? Okay. I mean, Steven Silas is really an offensive genius, though. I mean, he had the Mavs with one of the best offenses ever, and they had Luka Doncic, and that was it. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, if there was I'm, a guy not... that could get that out of him, then... I, I think there's a chance silent, but it's also just his his development of a young team has looked kind of different than like the offense. Like he tried to do a bit too complex of stuff last year. Um and it you could kind of tell. <laughs> like it's hard, like he is smart and he knows what he's doing, 
uh, but he's still figuring out how to develop players to like actually run an offense, yeah. you know? Okay. So I, I do have some Eric Gordon trades that I want to run by you and they'll get into season predictions. So here's my favorite Eric Gordon trade. You trade him to Cleveland. You get Jetty Osman and Isaac Okoro. I do that in an instant. Okay. <laughs> uh, because um, I, Cleveland's I obviously love trying to win now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think Eric Gordon helps him do that. Isaac Okoro really hasn't developed much as an offensive player, but defensively, he's still not as advertised. He still has a ways to go, but I, I think that would be a win. I think the shooting can get there. Um, I think he's got a solid enough base. I think um, like he's got good touch. He's got solid enough indicators that I think you bring him here and you give him a bit more time to work on the shooting. I think we have better shooting coaches than Cleveland. I mean, we taught KJ Martin how to shoot. Uh, and that dude, <laughs> if you watch the G League bubble, uh, the year that happened, his base was probably about uh, two feet wider, wider than his shoulders. Uh, on his shot and uh he's been a pretty solid shooter since coming into the league uh and i i, I think i had a core of third his year in the draft um crazy defender crazy driver i think you could use him as a connector or even like a play finisher kind of guy on the roster and chetty osmond i mean is six seven and has ball skills he's not my favorite but you could probably get something for him even if he doesn't fit or just cut him as an agent favor the real value there would be getting Isaac Okoro. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was my favorite one here. All the ones I have, I mean, the Nets for Joe Harris. They pro- they probably have to get more just because um Gordon's aren't expiring with a non-guarantee next year and Joe Harris isn't. But I think yeah, he could I, I mean, I'd take, like, Nick Claxton or something, like a tiny contract of one of their, like, interesting young guys. Yeah. Uh, it like wouldn't take Dave much. John to... Sharp, maybe. Yeah. I, 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 want to give him... I, Sharp would be fun. Uh, but I would rather get like a Claxton, um, because I think Sharp and Garuba kind of play the same role offensively, at least where they're like big men who pass like big men, like they throw backdoor cuts and they do fake handoffs and stuff. Um, and I mean, Dayron is kind of worse as a prospect in my opinion than Garuba. I think he's kind of been better in the NBA, but, uh, it's been one year, (laughs) you know? Uh, Claxton at least is just like a pretty insane defender and roller and lob thread and yeah. uh, kicks Caboclo or Fernando. I get the Brunos confused. Uh, he kicks Fernando out of the, <laughs> out of the rotation. So okay, so I actually had that as a talking point for our season preview. Is Fernando going to be the backup center, or do you think it's going to be Garuba, or do they both play Garuba plays more before? I don't think Garuba plays at the four. I think they split the backup five minutes. Okay. Um, because they're kind of different stylistically. I mean, if it were up to me and it were an ideal world, I think I would honestly start Garuba and then have Shengun as the sixth man where you don't have to worry about, oh, he's going to spend half the season as the screen and roller and look really uncomfortable. Like he has, that's been a huge uh, like talking point through all of preseason for the Rockets is oh using shangun as the roller what's even the point of that and blah 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 and you drafted this guy knowing he's a post hub and um i think you like garuba just makes a lot more sense as a connector with the starting unit in my opinion uh but i think realistically it's going to be shangun is going to play as many minutes as he can 
physically and foul rate wise. And then the rest of the minutes are going to be matchup dependent. And it's going to be either Fernando as a lob threat and barely defending and or Usman, uh, you know, dicing people up with passes and playing solid defense. Okay. So got a little sidetracked, but that is a question I wanted to ask. What do you think of Cam Reddish? Would you do like Evan Fournier has, I think, three more years left on his deal? Would you do like Evan Fournier and Cam Reddish for Eric Gordon? Or is Cam Reddish not even worth it at that point? Do I, I don't think he's worth taking on the Fournier contract. Uh, like I would rather have the flexibility to sign like a few weirdo free agents next year or hold on to that cap space and like get something real. Uh, I really like Reddish. I just don't think he's actually like an asset if that makes sense. No, that's fair. Um, it's just so tough. You have to put him in such specific situations to succeed because he is a talented shooter and shot creator. Uh, but the rest of his game is just, it's just so, he's such a weird, he's in such a weird position. I don't think that we need more guys that are in these like strange developmental, uh, you know, not conundrums, but situations. Yeah. So I, a lot of the guys I have on my list now are repetitive because that same archetype of player makes about Eric Gordon money. That's like Tim Hardaway Jr., Luke Kennard in a first, Duncan Robinson in a first. Maybe Milwaukee packages like Grayson Allen with George Hill, Jordan Nuara in a first. God, I man. would definitely do it for a first. Like yeah. any of those shooters, I would have done for Duncan Robinson in a first because I think even if he is shooting poorly and, oh, he can't defend in the playoffs, we're not making the playoffs for a few years. Yeah. You're getting one of the top five shooters in the league to get off of Eric Gordon, and you don't have to play him as much. You can play him as much or as little as you want. Yeah. Right. Uh, if he's not on, send your ass to the bench. You're playing eight minutes tonight. Yeah. You know, he's not like Eric Gordon who has to play 20 plus minutes per night. He's a respected vet. Um, I think he just enhances. Luke Kennard. Luke I mean, Kennard. Even... Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's a very talented spot up shooter who can also self create a little bit. Uh, I think he's both underrated and overrated in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, I think he's kind of nice and people just don't really talk about him. But then he makes sixteen million a year because he shoot real good. Yeah, uh, you, you know what I mean. Uh, it's just an interesting, uh, you know, player case. But yeah, I, yeah. I would definitely trade for a shooter in the first. Yeah, that's that's the type of, you know, package I see them getting. What about like the only other thing I thought of is like Devonte Graham and Jackson Hayes for Eric Gordon. Is that is all uh, those guys enticing enough? I figure Grand gives you a ball handler, even if he might be a little bit negative value at his contract. And then Jackson Hayes gives you maybe a more solidified backup five, but I don't know if Jackson Hayes is ever going to develop into anything, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So, I'm I'm also I I'm not a big Jackson Hayes fan. Yeah. The Pelicans uh, have a lot. crap ton of picks to give. So if they exactly. don't have first, then maybe that makes it more enticing. Yeah, maybe you get a first, maybe you can get like Kyra Lewis. Even though the oh, leg injuries, yeah, yeah, the leg injuries were horrendous for for Kyra, and I hope he can recover. But like, if you can get a guy like that who is very obviously talented and yeah. skilled, and uh, but maybe isn't as valued as high as he should be for Eric Gordon, I think I'd do it. Okay, yeah, those are really the only ones I have, but that that's just the idea. He's, type he's of kind of a hard player to trade in today's NBA. Yeah, like the Sixers, this, there was a ton of speculation that we are trading the 23rd pick 
for Eric Gordon on draft night. But in order to salary match, we literally had to give five guys. We had to give, mm-hmm. what was it? The salary match was Thibault, Niang, and then a combination of Shake Milton and Paul Reed, Isaiah Joe, and, who ended up yeah. playing. Like, it just ended up being such a ridiculous number. It's like you, and Furkan Korkmaz would have been in there. It's like you can't give five guys who could all the borderline rotation guys yeah, for, it, it, yeah. yeah it just, it wasn't like some of those guys are actual rotation guys too you can't give them all up for eric gordon yeah you know? so they like ended up I, going the d'anthony melden route but there was a ton of speculation daryl Morey obviously has history with eric gordon and mm-hmm. obviously that's why it didn't happen so i, I think guys in the trace range that i'm talking about are the type of guys that could be acquired for eric gordon yeah, I mean, it's it's he's just tough to trade for at this point. It's tough to find somebody who is like Eric Gordon is the game changer because of the injury history. Yeah. Uh, if there wasn't an injury history, I think he would be gone. Yeah. Like- okay, so let's move on to season predictions. So, Cooper, what I've done with all my guests throughout this, I actually had Asher on to talk Denver a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. Asher was in our cohort for that draft class ran by John Ross. So, anyway... Basically, what I've done is I made minute projections for every team. So I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but I'm going to give you my rotation, how many minutes I think they play. You could tell me, you know, if it's reflective of what it's going to be or what do you think would be different. I I feel like we kind of know now more given that the preseason was yesterday, the last preseason game. And most teams played, unless it was an injury, what their rotation would be in the regular season. So now we have a little bit more clarity on that. I have Kevin Porter Jr. playing 31 minutes. This is starting five. Jalen Green playing 32 minutes. Jay Sean Tate playing 26. Jabari Smith Jr. playing 30. And Shengun playing 29. So that's my starting five. Then I have Eric Gordon as a six-man playing 24. Tari Eason playing 21. I have Ty Ty Washington 19. I'm interested to see what you're going to say about that one because, you know, you just said that you think he's going to start the year, play a lot of the year in the G League. Then I have Garuba or Fernando at 13. I think it depends on the matchup. And Josh Christopher at 15. So the one notable guy I have off of here is KJ Martin. Um, I know the speculation about him being traded. I know friend of the pod Jake Fisher said that. The Suns are interested in KJ Martin. So I'm not sure how long he's going to remain on the team. But I mean, is that an accurate depiction you think? Or if what would you change? What do you think? So I think I'd drop the few things that I would do. I, I think the green minutes, I think the KPJ minutes are good. I think I would drop Shingun's minutes a little bit by a few. Uh, I think Tate is going to come off the bench. Uh, I think Eric Gordon's going to start. And Tate's going to play closer to 20 to 24 minutes. Um, and I think a lot of those siphon minutes are going to go off to KJ Martin. Uh, I think Tai Tai will probably have to earn his minutes. I think he's going to either Knicks or Garrison Matthews is going to take a big chunk of those minutes. Um, and surprisingly, I don't think Tari's spot in the rotation is like guaranteed. Ooh, Sadly, I, I think know. he'll have, I think, I think he'll have 10 minutes at least. I think that's the baseline. And yeah. then I think it's just going to slowly increase every single game until it probably does reach 20 at night yeah. by like January or February. You know, yeah. I just, I just think that there's so many people ahead of him on like the, I have to give minutes to this guy that he's, he, I, he's better than them. Like, like, yeah, I think he was probably our third best player in preseason and uh, he's not going to start and he's probably not going to get 
you know, the minutes deserving of our third best player. But uh, yeah, I think he's going to start with smaller minutes. And I think Fernando and Garuba will play like on average seven minutes each. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just gave 13 and just said it's a matchup dependent. Yeah. 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 And then, I, yeah, Garrison Matthews, I think, will get like three minutes most nights to see if he's hot. And then if he's not, it's going to stick at three minutes. And if he is, he'll get 10 minutes, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So I actually recorded my season prediction podcast with one of my buddies, Jake Epstein. I didn't release it yet because I want to release it right before the season starts. But we, given that, you know, Sports Ethos is a fantasy and a betting website, we talked about the over and under win totals that we like the most. And I kind of fell in love with Houston over 23 and a half while we're holding it and talking about it. I mean, I, I know that they're actively not trying to win, but I, I think they'll win 23. I think they'll win over 23 games. There's a lot of people in the Rockets community who think we'll win 30. I have them at 28, so I don't think they're I, I, I think our high end is 25 to 28. Okay. Um, Those are so many bad teams, I feel like. like exactly. That's San Antonio the thing. are clearly behind them. They'll probably mm-hmm. about tied with OKC. I think Orlando's a little bit better, but you could split with them. Detroit's better, but you could split with them. Like, there's just so many bad teams. Indiana, I think, will sell up pieces, and they'll be really bad by the end of the year. So, mm-hmm. And then, obviously, you know, you always steal some games just in general. Just- exactly. I think I think the big thing this year is we're not I – think, I think we're actively, like, worse talent-wise than a lot of the bad teams, but our talent makes sense. Like, I think we're less talented than Orlando, but we have shooters and guys that can dribble. So maybe we win more games than Orlando. You know what I mean? Uh, Same with Detroit. Like, we have more shooters than Detroit does. Detroit is a better team, like, talent-wise, but our guys make sense together. Uh, And I think that we're going to steal more. Like, we had some close games, and I don't think we won, like, more than one close game last year. Yeah. Um, it was it was horrendous. <laughs> well, that's, I think so that when, comes with an experience. So. Yeah, exactly. The guys are a little bit better. Jalen is much better this year. He's his growth is incredible. We didn't we didn't talk much about him, but he I mean, we did, but like not about like his growth from the beginning of last year to the end, and even into this preseason, dropped thirty three last night casually against the Pacers. He it was it was crazy, uh, but like. I think those guys are just so much better, so much more poised and are so much more confident in what they're able to do. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that helps you win tight games that we weren't able to win last year. So usually what I've, I've had mostly playoff teams, you know, on this segment to talk about expectations for the season, everything like that. So Houston's one of the few that I had of, Oh, I, I did Indiana, but Houston's one of the few that I was like, Okay, let's talk about the rebuild. Let's really dive into it. So Victor Wimbayama, I mean, he's obviously a hot name right now, given that his team in the French League just played Scoot Henderson in G League Ignite. It was televised, and he averaged 36 and a half points in two games. I mean, he he's just ridiculous. I mean, he's I, I don't say generational talent lightly, because generational talent is once in every 20 years, and LeBron James was about 20 years ago. But now here we are, Victor Mbayama is probably that level. He's definitely that level of guy. So, I mean, how badly as a Rockets fan, realistically, I know you only have a 14% chance of landing him, but you have a 28% chance of landing either him or Scoot Henderson. So, 
just what's the overall sentiment among Rockets fans? I mean, obviously you guys would be dying to get this guy. Well, that's the thing is we're to us. I think the cons- the general consensus is this is a three man draft, uh, right? It's Wemby, it's Scoot, and then Thompson, Um and Thompson. Yeah, yeah, he is a machine. And if we are a bottom five team, we have a forty two percent chance of getting a. It's, I think all three of those guys could ha- they have a chance at being top five players in the NBA. Okay. I think Wemby and Amon specifically both have a chance at one day being the best player in the NBA. Um, I think Wemby's is his chance of doing it is a lot higher than Amon's, but I think I think the chance is there for him because of he's just fucking crazy. Like I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse like that, but it's no uh, <laughs> but that's just the best way. Like no, it's I, literally like that's the mm-hmm. best way to describe it's, it. And that's the thing you can. All three of those guys, that is the best way to describe them. Because Wembenyama, 7-5, shooting machine, defense machine. My favorite is this picture. And he is both boxing out the guy who was in the dunker spot and contesting the guy who was on the opposite side of, of the, the lane. Like, he's contesting That's what happens if you have an 8-foot wingspan. I mean, exactly. It's... it's, it's it's he looks like superhuman, like alien. Like mm-hmm. he does not look like a real human, Wendy. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm a Sixers fan. Obviously, I'm, I'm dying uh, to see them win a championship. Like, mm-hmm. as as happy as I am with my life and my fiance and, and my family being healthy, everything like that. I mean, I I cannot die happy on the see a Sixers championship. Like, just yeah. giving that caveat. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. But I am so jealous that we didn't do the process now and having shot a yeah. Like, it is just, yeah. this guy is that good that, not that I'm never going to wish Joel Embiid and James Harden and Tyrese Maxey mm-hmm. all get hurt, but, like, there was a huge consolation prize to that happening. Like, it's yeah. just, this guy is that good. That Yeah, the 1% chance of getting him is, yeah, like, we, enough we to get used to So, during the process. So, we won. Like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. You got a top ten player out of the process. You can't be upset with that. Yeah, you and know, everyone, but it's like everyone who says, "Oh, the process didn't work because you didn't win a championship." The process wasn't necessarily about winning the championship. The process was let's stop being a middle tier team with our Andre Iguodala and Drew Holiday, and let's we're never going to get a star unless we draft one. Because as big as the market Philly is, we're not going to go on in free agency. So you know we have to draft talent, and they got three number one picks in that process, or they got two number one picks and Embiid. So they they the process worked. Whether Ben Simmons and Fultz worked yeah. out is another story. They ended it up with Joel Embiid. Yeah. So I mean, Harden and they traded is... Marco Fultz for the pick that became Tyrese Maxey, and they traded Ben Simmons to get James Harden. So I mean, the process it... worked. Championship or not? <laughs> yeah, I, I also I, I disagree with the way that people are like it had you have to win one one team wins a championship. Yeah, it's year. it's nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. It's the odds are. Very much stacked against you. Yeah. Even if you're the best team in the league, you often don't win the championship. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's just. So, okay. So, I mean, just overall, Rockets fans, there's a ton to be excited about, especially with this draft class. Um, there's some other guys in this draft that I really like too. I know we focus on the big three, but you know, you have um, Cam Whitmore, you have Nick Smith. I mean, there's just so many. I would love Nick Smith on the Rockets. Admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of filming yet on him. I'm more waiting for the college year to start, but I, I know he's an electric ball handler. I mean, I, it's just, there's so many bites at the apple in this draft class. 
I think Rockets fans have a lot to be excited about in general. Yeah, that's the thing is that you can't go wrong this year unless you mess up the draft. You can't be upset about falling to seven because at seven you could get Anthony Black. Yeah. Or you could get Jarris Walker or, you know, Kalel Ware. You know, there's just so much talent. This this draft is so insane. This year, this whole year, I think, like we we kind of there's kind of this idea that every year is like, oh, there's the most parody in the league, or oh, you know, this year is so crazy. This 2023, 2022, 2023 season is gonna be bonkers because there are so many good teams. And there are so many good teams that could just become bad teams if one thing happens. Yeah, like, look at Portland. Like, exactly. you really think Portland is going to, oh, yeah, well, the 10 seed will have the play-in. It's the trade deadline. What do we do? Blah, blah. You're going to trade Jeremy Grant because he's expiring. You're going to maybe trade off Josh Hart. Maybe you trade Dane because you won't be that freaking badly. Like, yeah, you, you just don't know what's going to happen. Too. Yeah, exactly. And, and like one of those teams is going to, or a few of those teams are just going to end up being crazy good because they're healthy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or they're going to make a consolation trade or consolidation trade to get a good player at the deadline because everybody's going to be selling like this year. It is going to be insanely good to be an awful team. It's going to be insanely good to be a contender because there's going to be at least two or three teams that are going to be like, please take my players. <laughs> like how uh, Portland was last year, you know, the, Portland and the Clippers absolutely fleece them. They do not get enough slander for giving up high-level rotation players that they fumbled <laughs> for nothing, for effectively nothing. Like, they treated Larry Nance, one of the, for my money, 20 best defenders in the league. Okay. C.J. McCollum, one of the best no, never won an and all-star the, yeah players. and you're right the pick didn't end up conveying the pick had potential to be very good that they that they traded. yeah but then it's like you got josh hart yeah <laughs> i like josh hart. Just, I, I mean obviously i i get the sentiment you're saying they didn't get enough but i don't I know i'm not gonna tolerate josh hart slander on this podcast oh i love um, josh hart too no like, and then josh and hart then, is not larry nancy for norman powell re-sign norman powell to a massive five-year deal then salary dumped him with Covington right after. It's just like, yeah, it, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. So. No, but they they got Keon Johnson. Yeah, so, so. and they, <laughs> they extended the GM that made all those moves. The interim. Yeah, it's so, just horrendous. Yeah, so and then teams like the Knicks, the Wizards. Obviously, Knicks just got Brunson, but I could see them trading off Julius Randle to give Obi Toppin more time. Mm-hmm. I could see the Wizards, you know, flipping a Kristaps Porzingis or a Kyle Kuzma. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but um, mm-hmm. Bradley Beal obviously has no trade clause nowadays, which that was a horrendous contract. I mean, no, you got to do it. You were the only team in the league that could pay him a $250 million contract. He wasn't going to leave. Why did you have to throw him a no trade clause in there? Like, I just, he was going to sign regardless. <laughs> well, so. he's going to ask for a trade anyways at some point. Like, I don't think he's like, they I, want him there as long as he wants to be there. So I don't think it ends up having any impact. You know, but if you know he's going to be traded, don't you want to give yourself more options? Like, because now he could just reject whatever team they want. If if like, let's say uh, just because we're on Houston, let's say Houston goes, okay, well we'll give you Kevin Porter Jr. and all these picks for Bradley Beal. Obviously, they want to do that. I'm saying hypothetically, mm-hmm. and Beal's going to be like, no, I want to win a championship. I'm not going to Houston. So it's like, okay, well now you can't get the best offer because you throw him that no trade clause. Because because you love him, you're yeah. you're the you're you know you're you're just. 
you're, you're I, I guess, too sentimentally attached to him. Thing, but... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that's that's the wizard's business these days is caring too much about stuff that's not basketball. Yeah, so. I agree. Okay, now we're at the point where we're just trashing all the front offices that aren't. <laughs> so, Cooper, where could people find your stuff? Yeah, so you can find me, uh, like you said, at Upside Swings. Uh, we're, you know, rolling back into the season, rolling back into the shape, rolling back into into shape slowly but steadily. Uh, getting some pods out there about college team previews. Yeah, uh, and I don't mean I don't want to interrupt you, but you talked about the 2022-23 NBA season, how much parity and everything, how Bonkers is going to be. What about college basketball? Like, that's oh, yeah. a whole nother podcast we could get into if you want to come on in the future. But, like, hey. there was, like, 12 legitimate national title contend. Like, hey. it's just There's only one. how many good teams there are. That's the Cougs. With, with, no the, Cougs, transfer, baby. with the transfer portal and being able to – um, Yeah, it's insane. Essentially free agency now in college basketball. But, okay. Yeah. That's, that's a story for another day. But, okay, upside swings. Yeah. Go follow can... them. Go listen. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. We do some fun stuff there. We're we're uh, our little secret right now is that we're working on a YouTube channel behind the scenes. Uh, we got some fun content coming out about the fifteen sixteen draft. Uh, hopefully within the next month. I'm not going to put too much of a date on it because it's a big project. But uh, you know, hoping to get things rolling there. And then you can also find me at HTX Chop Shop. Uh, I mentioned I made a video for them. I made a couple videos and I've contributed some stuff, hopped on pods with them. Uh, that's where I do most of my Houston stuff for uh, for the for the Houston Rockets. I'm looking to do more Coug stuff this upcoming season. I love my UH Cougars. Um, and I mean, that's really it at the moment. I'm just kind of hanging out, doing school, having a good time. Uh, this was a great time, you know, uh, you know, we've been friends for a little while with after the after the cohort. And, you know, we we have similar minds yes, uh, when it comes to the draft. So it's, yeah, and it's I'll always definitely good to have to get you on for a mid-year, maybe maybe for the college basketball season. We could definitely do a That'd season. That'd be fun. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you guys will be on the lookout for that. You can follow me on Twitter at BirdRights. You could follow Cooper at I don't have your handle memorized. I'm at Ali underscore Oop underscore Coop. Okay. Ali underscore Oop underscore Coop since I just, you know, talked over him. And (laughs) I will talk to you guys next episode. And thank you for listening.